Yeah. Yeah, old school. That's what I'm talking about. Listen, this ain't for everybody. Some of y'all need to hear this. I know you're in the trenches fighting, but check it out. I'm going to put it down like this so I can help the saints understand. Everything you're going through is all part of the master plan. Or what? You thought because you got saved, everything was going to be peaches and cream? You better wake up, son. Don't nothing come to a sleep but a drink. Faith without works is dead. Read your Bible. You know what it says. He who don't work, don't eat. Slackers don't get fed. Huh? Yeah. Jesus said, he who puts his hands to the plow looks back the same ain't fit. Some of y'all ain't been in the church five minutes and you're about ready to quit. I ain't mad at you. I'm just hitting you with the real. If you die for me and I was still tripping, now how you think that make you feel? Check this out. Deep game. This here's deep. Some of y'all ain't sawing nothing but you started trying to reach. But after him who's able to possess your father by his glory. Struggles might be part of your testimony, but it ain't the end of the story. Now the point is this prophesied way back in the day. Choir, sing your hook right here and see if the church can relate. For what you 
want to send that one out there that'd be thankful little joint out there because even though we're going through some crazy stuff right now we need to really really be appreciative for uh what we do have you know because it could be a whole lot worse but let me see as i guess with us today raleigh you in the building how's it going can you hear me yes sir i can hear you loud and clear can you hear me yes yes how's it going how's it going I mean, I really can't complain, you know what I mean? But, you know, nobody want to hear that anyway. But it's so much, so much crazy stuff going on out there right now in this world, man. So, you know, I like that little joint was just playing, just be thankful, man. We got to do, be thankful for what we do have, you know? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Yeah, well, Raleigh, you know, you're all the way from Canada, and I understand you're originally from Guyana, and... You're hanging out in Canada doing great, great, great things with your music and stuff, man. So I always like to start off the show uh, with giving you the platform and, and letting you tell, I guess, a little something about you. But my question is, you know, um, when did you get hit with this music bug, man? Uh, probably, uh, I think it became clear to me that I love music at the age of like eight or nine. Um I definitely get it from my father because he was a singer. He used to play music seven days a week, especially on Sundays. Um, it was always a mood uh, for an occasion when it came to if we were cleaning or we were going to church or we were partying. It was always a vibe, different vibe with the music. So I grew up with uh, a lot of different culture, but especially the Caribbean culture. Like As you said, I'm, I'm from uh, Guyana, which is in South America, and uh, but very Caribbean-rooted. So... Yeah, I think age of nine would be when I first really wanted to like spend the rest of my life singing. Oh, that's fantastic! What's 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 uh, what's Guyana like? Do they have any music programs there? I mean, or, or do you listen to a lot of American music there? Or where'd you get that from? Where in in Canada? Yes. Well, actually, coming out of uh, Guyana. Oh, Guyana. Yeah. Um, I left Guyana actually when I was really young. I left there when I was about oh, three. Okay. Um, however, I did go back around the age of nine, but it's the music there. I wouldn't say it's all American. It's more um, like soca, soca and calypso and reggae and dancehall. And you have um, we have like a in Guyana. There's a, a big East Indian presence. Like my family, um, a mix with East Indian. My great great grandfather was from India, so there's a lot of that um, culture as well, um, and a lot of that kind of music as well so it's very diverse in a sense um but i wouldn't say even going back as the last time i was there was like 2010 and not so much americanized i think it's 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 a a lot more caribbeanized um but they you know people definitely do listen to a lot of american music it was america is the center for a lot of creativity and like some of the best music in the world right so yeah, I definitely like uh, the Caribbean music, man. I definitely like the, the the beats and stuff, man. So 
So, so Raleigh, how would you uh, uh, categorize your music? Uh, I would say my music is. I, I would. I like that world sound. I think it's 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 a mixture of pop and R and B, mostly R and B and soul. Because um, I grew up listening to a lot of soul music, a lot of the oldies, a lot of old R and B, a lot of old um, Caribbean sounds, and I, I I really look up to artists like Michael Jackson and Luther Vandross and, of course, Whitney and Mariah and uh, even more to my generation, Chris Brown and Trey Songz. And you got um, a lot of those, like, singers that just have soul or, like, uh, that extra oomph in their music. So I would say my music, I strive to just make it a world sound um, like um, Michael. Because when I listen to Michael, his music transcends borders anybody can listen to it and that's the type of music that i try to make true 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 do you have any uh formal music training uh yeah so when i was uh in high school actually before high school i started playing instruments i, I started playing uh the, the baritone and the trombone so a lot of bass and um when i got into high school i was actually in my in my first year in grade nine, they had a, a vocal program and a music program, but it only started in grade 10. And then somebody had kind of heard me sing and went to the music teacher and they did all this uh, running around after me and, and they got me into a, a, the, the grade 10 program my first year. And I learned, um, we did a lot of singing, but I learned uh, musical theory as well, how to read notes. And I kind of learned a little bit of that even before playing instruments and stuff like that. So. Um, and I did a lot of classical training as well with uh, just oh, wow. um, different teachers and stuff. Um, I stopped for a while. Like, there was a period of time where I stopped that training, so I'm a little rusty on it, but I definitely have that background. Oh, that's not bad at all, man, because I quit this business every day. The only problem <laughs> is I start back up. <laughs> the only problem is I start back up the next day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's how it goes, right? <laughs> No, that's definitely how it goes. Well, well, tell me, man. Uh, first of all, I want to ask you how important is social networking to you in this music business? Um, it's very important. I think, especially where we are today, especially during like the fact that we have to be socially distant. I think it's very important to to network. Um, with your peers, anybody that's trying to do music. I remember, um, you know, I didn't always have the confidence, the greatest confidence in the world, even though I, I portrayed that I did. But I remember, like, you know, when I was starting out, it would have been great to have more people to connect with. I feel like um, pre this whole pandemic thing, that kind of was lost. And now I kind of see people getting together and networking and stuff. But I feel like for the longevity of, of music and just continuing on and, and um, for people to be able to be more creative. I feel like networking is, is powerful, whether that's the artists networking with each other or with the bloggers or the um, radio people or the music reviewers or music lovers. It's just important, even fans. Like it's just important to network and, and be as social as you can. Right. No, I just wanted to ask you that because, you know, there was a time it wasn't such a, uh, uh, you know, we didn't have the Internet and, you know, you weren't able to really reach the masses with your music as you are today. 
And then uh, the other thing is I felt since uh, since the invent of the Internet, you know, a lot of really great artists kind of fall through the crack if they're not, you know, really computer savvy, you know what I mean? Because, yeah, I don't know, they, you know, and then, you know, the artists that, you know, they, you know, have uh, some funding, they have some money where they could really afford to, you know, have a team to handle all their social networking and versus another artist they got all the skills you know what I mean, in terms of being an artist, you know, a singer, songwriter, producer, so on and so forth, but, you know, he's not very computer literate, and to me, sometimes I think that's kind of a disadvantage, you know what I mean, because a lot of those artists yeah. seem like it take a little bit longer to be heard. Yeah, I would say it's definitely a disadvantage, because I fall into that category where um, I'm I'm very, I know how to, my way around a computer, it's just that when you have somebody with a lot of money, um, and they're able to go ahead and pay for people to do these things for them, which to me, in my opinion, is great, but it's also kind of fake because you're not really ha- you're not really up to the post knowing like who's listening to their music and interacting with them, which nowadays is really important. But I I feel like with with myself, I'm I kind of chose based on some advice, some really good advice I got to to remain independent for now and and be independent, and I. It's harder because I don't have a major, major budget, but I do what I can. And it's right. not as easy to compete when you don't have the money because nowadays people don't even, sometimes it's like in the music industry, they don't even care if you're good or not. They just want your money <laughs> and then they're going to do work for you. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like they don't, um, so it's like they don't, unless you're speaking money. And then sometimes it's like you pay, you don't even get the results you want. You know, people don't really do what they say they're going to do for you. And there's so many people coming at you. Like right now, with this record that I I just released, I have so many people coming at me, and um, some of of it has been good, and others have just been big time wasters, and people just looking for me to pay them for something that I don't even know if it's gonna work, you know. So, uh, it's gonna... you know, and unfortunately, man, as an artist, you know, we've all went through that at one time or another, you know, and I've had some, like, old, very successful seasoned artists told me, basically, that's part of paying your dues, you know, because as you're mm-hmm. coming up and navigating your way, you know, through this, of course, you're going to run into those knuckleheads that's, um, you know, selfish, that's really out there for self and don't have you as an artist, your best interest at heart, and, uh, I mean, that's all around the board, you know, because we've had managers, even myself personally as a group, we've had, you know, uh, managers and attorneys that's been ripped us off, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, it's just kind of like a process you have to go through, uh, like almost going through the jungle, you know, you got to look out for the wolves, you know, and the bears and stuff, and it's kind of, the music is kind of like the same thing, you know. Not everybody's, not everybody's, not good, but everybody's not bad either. And then, you know, you kind of learn your way around and get to meeting different people along the way, you know, and that's how you really compile your team. You know, at least that's my take on it. That's how you get your team because as you're growing, you're learning who to talk to, who not to talk to, who to deal with, and you learn, you know, you learn all of that. You know what I mean? Right. And on that note, I just really want to shout out Camille Moore (laughs) and Joe St. John, um, you know, they, is, when you say team, it's true. It's like uh, originally I, I wasn't even going to um, continue on as the artist. I actually was going to take a background role 
based on my experience and my training, but those two individuals have kind of stuck by me and they became my team. Actually, Camille, I'm giving her a shout out because she was one of the people like, we're your team. You know, we do very well at this. We're going to, we're going to do it together. And it, it just kind of comes together as, as you, as you continue to, on your grind, you just got to keep going. So I definitely can relate to what you just said. That's true. No, oh, it's, it's so real. It's so real. So real. What, uh, what are some of the things that you've gone through, man? I mean, I know you've, Man, um, certain things, you know, I won't speak too much about, but because, you know, this business can get tricky. I think a lot of the old ways in the music industry are dying, if not dead already. But um, I'll quickly touch on the the young lady that's on my record, Melanie Amaro, like um, super, one of my favorite vocalists, definitely top five, super talented. And you know, before we, before this record um, came about, I actually wrote this record while me and her were both going through some stuff. Uh, we were just friends. We like we met. Um, I actually met her for the first time in Jamaica. We were on tour with uh, Mindless Behavior and one of our good friends, Dustin uh, Michael from B5, the old B5 that was signed to the Bad Boy back in the day. We were on tour, and one of the cities we went to was Jamaica. And so me and Melanie actually ran into each other there and we were all, we all just clicked. It was like instant. And um, just even uh, that situation, like, you know, we, we almost got trapped in Jamaica because like people weren't getting paid and passports were being held. And it was just, you know, you'd think we were on this big tour and like these things weren't being handled and the people that suffered were the artists and, the, and you know, at the time, uh, Melanie was hosting it, but even more to that, um, you know, she had won this big show, and she had signed the Epic under L.A. Reid, and, you know, I can't really speak too much to it. Uh, that's a story that she's going to have to, like, you know, come out with one day, but as far as that goes, that was a roller coaster for me, because um, what happened was, long story short, obviously, we know nothing came about after that whole X-Factor thing, but I ended up managing her. Um, because we were just on the phone one day talking and I was in Toronto, she was in LA and, uh, you know, there was some stuff going on with her and I was just like, look, I can help you out. We could do this. Cause I, I, I had a, been trained under Chase Parsons at, at Chris Smith management. Chris Smith was Nelly Furtado's manager. So I had a lot of managerial experience as well. So we kind of agreed that we were going to go forward and I was going to take on that role. And man, it was like. I had to deal with CEOs of companies, you know, and at the time we were both really, really young and I, and, you know, people were dragging me through this. I didn't know much about um, the snaky part of the business. I just thought that, Hey, you know, we're all doing business. We're great talent, you know, it was, but people were trying to steal, uh, steal Melanie from like under my management. People were trying to tear us apart. And at one point they almost succeeded doing that. Uh, we had brought on people to to help as part of like management and promotion. And we were again, we were trying to build a team. We had she had left LA and we had moved to Atlanta, and you know there was just some. It was just a lot of shady things, underhanded things were going on. You know, deals were happening behind my back, meetings were happening. It was just a lot of stuff, and then, you know, 
when you have a friendship, it's really hard to do business if you don't know how to separate the two. And that was, we had a really close friendship. You know, we were really, really close. So it was just hard. Like when we came down to business, it kind of got a little bit tense because, you know, it's like your friend's talking to you, but your manager's talking to you. And then it's like, it was just a lot. So I definitely, one thing I've learned is that like, you, you really can't take people's word for things. You have to always protect yourself with paperwork. Um, something that I never did at first back in the day. I just was like, people were like, yeah, we're going to do this for you. And then next thing you know, they're sabotaging you behind your back. I'll give you one quick example. Raleigh, like, let me, let me, let me give you another little piece of advice too. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, paper, paperwork is good, but I also found out, man, uh, if the man's no good, the paperwork isn't either. The paperwork will give you the ability to get in court, but that's about it. True. For that that's actually no, i actually if the people if the people aren't no good dude i mean it's great because i've had that experience as well and i'm sure if you haven't you will um even though you got the paperwork if the man ain't no good the paperwork ain't no good bro that is that is actually true. I, you know what and i actually learned that as well which is a tough lesson as well so it's just a tricky business you just really have to look out for yourself and uh Make sure that you double check everything, really. Yes. Before you do anything. Well, man, you mentioned the song with uh, Melanie Amaro, so we got that song queued up, uh, "Broken Love." You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Um, <laughs> Come on, man. You can give us the gritty. <laughs> you can give us. That. <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting because that song has such a story behind it it's crazy i uh yes yeah, so i was living in this basement apartment at the time and i wrote i started writing it uh, me and melanie got off the phone she would express some things to me and based on that conversation i was inspired to start writing the song because i was also going through something as well and then i wrote the first verse the exact same like everything's the same the lyrics are all the same um and i wrote the first verse and i and the hook and I demoed it, which was at the time horrible because I actually wasn't singing, so I wasn't up keeping with my voice. And um, she goes to me, "This is this is too sad." <laughs> She's like, "I'm not singing. This is too sad." Uh, so I actually almost scrapped the song. I was not gonna do it. I ended up we ended up in New York with uh, Chanel Red Irving, who's one of my mentors, um, like five or six time Grammy nominated uh, writer. She mentored me, um, and they were just like, and uh, Dee Moet, who did Nas's Illmatic, uh, the producer did a Nas's um, album Illmatic, they were like, this is a, this is an amazing record, you need to finish it. So that's how I ended up finishing it, and we recorded it, we started recording it in Atlanta, and yeah, so it's basically about, you, just, you know, your love being broken, and your love could be anything. At the time, um, it's not really relationship-based, but it can, it can translate into that, it's just about you know, if you're going through something um, and your love could be broken, but you can overcome it and you basically don't need to, uh, you can overcome anything, basically. That's what the song is really about. Uh, I don't want to be a fool anymore because I think a lot of the times we don't realize that our emotions make us foolish. And someone like me, I'm a fire sign, so I had to learn that I can't react all the time and I can't allow my emotions to cloud my judgment. So I don't want to be a fool anymore. And um, just basically move on and get stronger. So that's the song's ultimate message, but you can it can translate into anything. Rascal. 
great. I'm a water sign. I guess that's why I'm just too cool all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but everybody, you know the drill. Uh, let the windows down. Turn the air conditioning up. Put your ears on this. This is Broken Love featuring Melanie Amaro. Dang, Raw Lee. You got it. Here it is. I can definitely, 
I can definitely, definitely understand that one. But it didn't sound like too too sad. It didn't sound sad. <laughs> yeah, no. she just didn't. You know what it is? It's like you know when people are going through stuff. Sometimes they don't want to like face it. I think it was just that kind of situation because she actually when when she did her part, she did it in one take. That's the first take and the only take she ever did. So oh, wow. she she cried. A, Got a little bit through that. <laughs> so, okay. uh, no, I know, you know, I was hearing the intensity in her voice. Sound like that she was definitely feeling that one. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Probably took us somewhere. Um, so, so Raleigh, what is some, what is some inspiration? Do you usually write your songs from uh, personal situations? Um. Yeah, I. You know what? I definitely have like I'm working on an album right now and a lot of the songs are from personal situations I like to write about any situation that kind of touches me or if I'm if I need to write about you know maybe it's another person's situation I I like to I like to just capture the moment you know what I mean because I feel like um, sometimes I take life serious in in a sense where it's like you know um, there's a lot of meanings and moments and I, and I find that to be really great for music. And I, especially growing up, well, my favorite music era would be the 90s by far. And then, of course, some of the 80s and, and whatever. But the 90s, for me, I felt like every damn song that was done by anybody <laughs> during that period, whether it was R&B or pop, was, it was the music was a moment. Um, so that's, that's kind of what I, how, what inspires me to write now. It's like I look at, you know, the situation, I'm like, is there a moment here that I can make into a song? That's kind of my process, how I started. Yeah, that, that makes that makes sense. A lot of times, man, you just be sitting around or uh, driving around or even uh, having a conversation with somebody, at least I do, you know, and they say something, I'm like, oh, that seemed like a good title for a song, you know? Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. And then it goes from there. Right. I know you mentioned uh, earlier in the show uh, 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 Michael Jackson uh, was one of your favorite artists. Uh, uh, who else out there? Um, um, let's see. You know what? Uh, definitely, I followed Chris Brown's career pretty much because we're technically the same age. I think his birthday like three weeks after mine. And but. Uh, I would, I would, I I would say I followed him like a lot more in the beginning, in the middle and stuff, and even after his little, you know, his issues that he went through. But um, nowadays, not so much because I feel like it's kind of the same. But stuff that's out there. Um, so there's him, and definitely Whitney, definitely Mariah, Luther Vandross. Um, I I now I must say this because I think it's important to say. So the very first song that I heard that I knew, there's a song that, that kind of like sent me into third gear with music, and that was um, The World's Greatest by R. Kelly. Now, I don't condone him or his actions as a man, but I definitely have to right. say that, that his music um, and that song gave me a lot of courage. So I, I, I can't take it away from I, 
can't take it away from Mark Kelly though, as an as an artist. As, people get offended these artist. days. You know what I mean? Like I don't. I I really think what he did was disgusting, and it kind it hurt to know that that somebody that I that inspired me because it's like you know it's 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 you know he made a mistake that was way too drastic of, of for something that right. you know. But I I definitely the music man. It's just like especially that song, the world's greatest. That was that was uh so there was that and sometimes when I I, I think about saying it and then I feel I, I beat myself up inside because I'm like it's it's a truth you know what I mean so it's like do I hold that back or do I just make a note <laughs> when people ask me like who inspired me I, it's still a big part of why and who I became as far as the music is concerned so um and then I would say Adele I really like Adele's music I like Sam Smith's music I like. Uh, I'm forgetting some Prince. Oh man, Prince is really great, and John Legend is like uh, one of my big influences today as well. And I think that's about it. I, I really like Jeremiah. Oh, and August Alcina. Shout out to August Alcina, man. Like, not not none of the other stuff, the entanglements and stuff, but just more so like his his <laughs> and his vibe is definitely something I'm feeling a lot. Like. I support his music a lot, and I listen to his music a lot. And in fact, a lot of some of the songs I put out recently, um, I have one called uh, "Let You Know." That's kind of inspired a little bit from his music, but I'm looking to do a little bit more of that style music too in the future. Hopefully, collab with August one day. But that's that's I guess that's the list. Yeah. But nothing wrong with having one. If you could go, if you can go out and do some collabs right now, who would it be? Some of the same people you just mentioned, or somebody else? Yep. Uh, my first collab has to. Well, my first major, major collab has to be with Rihanna. If she ever decides she wants to drop anything again, um, my fellow Caribbeanite, uh, definitely love Rihanna. I would love to collab with J Cole and The Weeknd, who's also Canadian. I'd like to collab with. Um, damn, I guess the list isn't as long as I thought. Meek Mill, it's one of my favorite rappers. Um, yeah, I guess that's 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 uh, and that's it does. Yeah, that's definitely definitely a healthy healthy choice. My grandson yeah. uh, works with J Cole, so he's always on the road doing something. But um, yeah, man, a leader like that guy. He's a he's a good strong black role model. Um, in hip hop. And he's always been that. And he never, what I like about J. Cole is that, you know, he doesn't con- conform and he doesn't uh, compromise. And I never seen him do it. Whereas we kind of see other people do it. And even me, I think, you know, I kind of felt uh, insecure about my music for the reason of the fact that I thought I had to do a lot of music, like that watered down, like, uh, <laughs> just garbage music that I hear nowadays is like it's very watered down or it's all the same thing um sex drugs money whatever and um you know I felt like I had to sound a certain way you know and it's like I knew that I had bigger music in me for me no disrespect to anybody that wants to make that music but I just didn't feel I felt compelled that like that was the only way I was gonna have my voice heard so then I felt like maybe I, I have to do that kind of music. And it just didn't, the music wasn't coming out as authentic, you know? And um, so 
one thing I really respect about J. Cole is that he just told it like it is, he, and, he, and he's just a role model. So I, I'm, that inspired me to realize, like, you know what, I could do me. The same way he did, does him in hip-hop, I could do me. Um, uh, so, yeah. It's definitely a fine line, you know, because I understand, you know, in this business, either you could sound too much like somebody or not enough like somebody, you know, and both of those are both of those are bad. And then the other decision is, are you doing music for the love of you, or do you are you doing music because you want to eat? Right. You know, and, right. I, and I think that's what you were just speaking to a moment ago, and and trying to to find that spot, you know, depending on your situation, kind of dictate what you're going to do. Because I have know a lot of artist friends now. You know, like, well, you know, I'm just going to be true to myself. You know, I'm not going to conform like you mentioned. But those guys are hungry, man. You know what I mean? Yeah, so I mean, it's still <laughs> about following, finding that line, that spot, you know? Someone someone once said to me, they said, Raleigh, you'll begin to start to make it when you're ready to starve for this. <laughs> like, when you're ready to go without food and be hungry and right. and, and just and at first, I didn't understand that because I'm like, well, damn, I want to make money. But it's, it's a right. It's a fine line. It's like, yes, I want to eat, but I feel like, you know, what 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 can I live without? And it's like, if I can't live without my music, if it's, you know what I mean, what am I doing it for? Because I'm a, I'm a pretty well-rounded guy. I can make money a lot of ways. I have. So it's like, it's not a problem of, so it's like, it's not the money I'm after, even though, yes, eventually I need my dream to be fulfilled and like, I want to do what I love, and I want it to pay me. That's the, that's my goal. So, but it's like I I will start for this if I have to because it's what I love. Right, right. And I guess at the end of the day, that's what makes a true artist. Whether you uh, in the entertainment business or whether you are a painter, you know, because look how many famous painters, artists out there that actually starve. You know, but unfortunately, you know, before they became successful, super successful, they wouldn't live no more. But uh, I don't know if that's a good example, but anyway, anyway, Raleigh, yeah. listen, listen, listen. We got uh, we got uh, your joint. Let you know, uh, queued up, man. So we gonna let everybody put their ears on that. All right, let it rock. All right, you you guys know the drill. This is Raleigh, and this is let you know. Let the windows down, turn your air conditioner up, and put your ears on this.
And, and and I think really, really true artists, they fight with that, man, because so much time goes into you perfecting your craft. And then when you got to, you know, put on that uh, other that other hat and put on those long boots you know, so you don't step on those snakes in the grass, you know what I mean? It's uh, it, it become overwhelming, you know, at some point, you know. Yeah, I think it's like every other ten minutes it feels because <laughs> like yeah, it's interesting because like a little like I, I actually so I never thought I was gonna go forward and actually pursue a music career. I at a young age, you know, I had a um was broken by a family member. Like, oh, your father didn't make it. What makes you think you gonna make it? Some things that had, they had said to me that kind of really hurt me and um, internalized. I internalized that. So what I did was I actually was like, well, if I'm not going to pursue music, I'm going to just be a coach. So I, I did the management thing for a while. I actually wore a lot of hats. I did um, development and stuff like that. So w- now that I'm doing it for myself, it was weird. It's easy to do something for somebody else, but it's, it's, it's challenging to do it for yourself, especially when it comes to business um, and, and music and stuff like that. So Every couple of minutes, you know, I'm sitting here. I'm falling in love with the process because it's just it's just giving me a different perspective that I didn't have doing it for other people. You know, um, it's allowing me to appreciate how hard I actually do have to work. You know, it's allowing me to grow as an individual because it comes down to like, am I worth it or not? And then I got it allows me to put my to tell myself like, look, like you deserve this. You know, and that's really good for self care and self love. And I think right now, especially with everything that's going on with, with Black people in general, me being a Black male in society, um, it's, 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 it's strengthening me in ways I didn't really expect. So I appreciate the hardship of it because it is really, really hard. Like, there's a lot of work that people don't even realize. And I made a post about it the other day. I was like, it's not about just going to the studio and putting out music. Like, there's most of the work that goes into this is never ever seen and it's like 90% of of the battle. So exactly. Yeah. When I was management, I had somewhat of a different take though, man. Management, I could always go to the cleaners for myself or go put gas in my car, do things I need to do for myself. That was a no-brainer. But when I started mm-hmm. managing artists and I've managed several uh high-profile artists, it was almost like babysitting, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was. It was almost like babysitting. And and that's the part that, that got me. Um just being yeah. just 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 being a glorified babysitter. I mean, some of them are super, super talented, but uh when it comes to the common sense department, it was kinda lacking. Maybe I shouldn't say that, yeah. but it's true. <laughs> no, I'm so glad you brought that up because look, I actually I think that's why it's different for me because like I I take I took that experience serious so like you absolutely right that like I I had to be a counselor I had to be a motivator I had to go destroy relationships that was messing up business <laughs> like it was like you yeah, know all you, that all that and especially managing female artists dude because it seemed like yeah. every dude they get with all of a sudden they want to become the manager and they want to start questioning you about stuff that they don't have no spot in. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I, I get it. I get it. It was a whole 
like soap opera, man. <laughs> it was a lot. Yeah. It was a lot. Yeah. Become a glorified babysitter, man. And I'm like, wait a minute. This is not nowhere in my job description right here, this part, you know? Right. And it's but, funny because now I don't even entertain any of that stuff. It's like with myself, I'm so strict. And it's funny because I, I, fall, out, I fall out with people because they just look at me like I'm dismissive or like I don't got time or, and I think my experience doing babysitting people and being in their drama, I don't want that because I know that's that's the fastest and number one way sometimes that artists why artists don't make it is that all that other stuff going around going on in the background. Exactly, it's all that other stuff. You know, they go get the, they go get the neighborhood guy to work at a gas station. They want to second guess you, and you're in the business. <laughs> But they want to get somebody else's opinion that's not even yeah. in the business, and that boy right. drives me up a wall. Right, well, right. Raleigh, we, we we got another song for you, man. I want to get that in, boy, because look like time be flying when you're having fun. But I want to get your other song in right quick, so our listeners mm-hmm. definitely can put their ears on it, man, because I'm enjoying your music, and I know they are out there too, you know. And I can't Thank wait you. to hear your whole whole album. Cause I know it's gonna, yeah. I know it's gonna be the bomb. So what, what is this one? Is it, is it alone or a one-on-one alone? What's the type? It's, it's alone. It's alone. This one is a relationship. This one, has personal, 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 um, serious relationship I had way back, way, way back. But this is the, uh, this is the outcome of that relationship. And you know, sometimes you. It's like after you finish a relationship with this, and then you try to move on, and you realize that like, damn, you can't like, it's like, or you still thinking about the other person, and you're moving on to a different situation, and the love was real, yeah. but it was too toxic. It was too toxic, just like you know, August's entanglement. It's just, <laughs> I definitely found myself in 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 those kinds of situations. I think a lot of people have, but so it's like, um, this song came as a result of me realizing that you know. I was done with this situation, but I was now I feel alone, and I'm even though I'm in this next situation or trying to be in this next situation. Oh, that's sad, but so true because everybody's so different, man. And we as men, sometimes, man, we get stuck in one model, you know. And what I mean by that is we look for the same type of females and end up being. You know, they 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 have the look that we have, you know, but we forget some of them just have different names. But the issues we get are similar. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. All the issues are similar. That's that's the truth. All, all the issues are similar. They just got different names, you know. So we have to really self check ourselves a lot of times. Different name and different faces. That's the truth. Yeah, yeah. Well, everybody, like I always say, let the windows down, turn the air conditioner up, put your ears on this. This is Raleigh alone. Too far away to be the man of your dreams. 
Man, I'm definitely going to continue to play your music, man. I definitely like your spirit. I like your music, man. And I know it's going to be great things in store for you. And uh, I want to invite you back, man. Uh, when you get your project oh, finished, you. man, come on back and chop it up with us, man. And, and, hey, and Thank you. I want to big thank you to you, Mr. Lamont Patterson. Is that you? I, this was enjoyable for me. This was really great. You're so chill and cool. This is one of the best interviews I've done so far. So thank you. I'll definitely be back. All right, man. We definitely appreciate you, man. And definitely come on back. Come on back anytime. And for all our good old listeners out there, you know what I'd like to say. Uh, if you miss any of the show, it'll be available in its entirety worldwide. And if you have trouble, ask your mama, ask your daddy, ask the man across the street, ask the guy at the gas station or the people to work at the supermarkets. There's no reason, no excuse you got not to hear this show. And, uh, Check out Raleigh, you know, and let him know that you heard it right here first, man. And we love you guys much, and we will see you next week, same time. But go check out Raleigh. You won't be disappointed. Great music, and I put my stamp of approval. I approve this message. And Donald Trump can say that shit. I can say that shit, too. I approve this message. So see you all next week right here on I Am Indie. Peace. Appreciate it. Take care. All right. Take care. Charlie Star here, and I always listen to I Am Indy with your host, Kay Diddy, on Blog Talk Radio. Every Wednesday at 2 p.m., listen from your phone, 347-308-8747, Blog Talk, Kay Diddy. Precious rising.